Hi all, and welcome to another episode in the Leading Safely podcast. Today my topic is about conflict management, and this should hopefully tie in nicely with some of my other episodes on organisational accountability, empathy, and even robust conversations. Conflict management is the ability to handle differences in the workplace. Accomplished conflict managers can react to disagreements calmly and diplomatically, resolving them through peaceful discussion. Conflict management is not the same as conflict elimination, which aims to abolish or ban conflict in a workplace. And to be honest, I don't think you could nor should abolish conflict in the workplace. Instead, successful conflict managers strive to resolve matters amicably. Normally, we see conflict as a bad thing, and it most definitely can be destructive when communication breaks down or when relationships are impacted, when regular activities are disrupted or when individuals become rigid in their positions, when winning becomes the desired goal or when disengagement occurs, whenever it causes undue stress or it creates a toxic work environment or people outside of the conflict are impacted. I can give you an example where almost every dot point that I mentioned above just now was happening and it became a super toxic and extremely stressful place to work. I was working for a major mining organisation. It's a global organisation and what I noticed is that when things are changing with a big organisation like that, they don't happen in tiny steps to allow employees to adapt, which unfortunately means that this can create even more conflict. There was about 30 women, including myself, that worked in the main administrative building. There was a few men, like the SSE and a couple of managers, but most of the men had offices elsewhere. Unfortunately, all 30 of us did not get along at all. People did not talk to other people. Gossip was rife. It really was like attending high school on a daily basis. The organisation was making huge changes to systems and processes. Payroll and HR functions were changing, which meant jobs that some of us normally did were now being reallocated amongst the team of 30. However, rather than getting a senior leader to kind of delegate and reallocate the work with a bit of a background, they literally let all of us tell whomever that we were going to be giving the work to what they were going to be doing. Now, you can imagine how that went down, right? People at level telling other people what extra work they will now be adding into their day. Needless to say, things went pretty south pretty quick. There was door slamming, people cursing, people crying. It was a terrible work environment and productivity was at an all-time low within our offices. The solution was for the business to send all 30 of us ladies on a bus to a team development day where we were personality profiled using Myers-Briggs. Now, whether you believe in personality profiling or not, what it did for all of us was identify that each of us have differing personalities and therefore differing communication techniques. I personally learned that whenever I felt like someone was being too harsh or too direct in their communication style, I would take a moment to acknowledge that it wasn't personal and was just in fact their personality shining through. Myers-Briggs would go on to be a major part of my career from that point on, but that is a story for another day. So yes, lots of conflict and there was many, many, many negative consequences at the time. But did you know that conflict can also be productive? 
So it can be productive when there's forward movement in communication, processes and procedures. It can be productive when those involved are comfortable with the disagreement and can agree to disagree. It can also be productive if it acts as a motivator for change, to do something differently or better as a result. It can also be that if it breaks down communication barriers or people develop a better understanding of one another, like we did in the previous example. Or when the side effects don't create lasting damage for the individuals involved and those around them. To get to the points that I've just mentioned though, you need to think about what baggage you're carrying to the table yourself. And then you can adopt one of five standard conflict management approaches. The first approach is accommodating. And in this style is simply about putting the other party's needs before your own. You allow them to win and get their way. Accommodation is for situations where you don't care as strongly about the issue as the other person. If prolonging the conflict is not worth your time or if you think you might be wrong. This option is about keeping the peace, not putting in more effort than the issue is worth and knowing when to pick your battles. While it might seem somewhat weak, Accommodation can be the absolute best choice to resolve a small conflict and move on with more important issues. This style is highly cooperative on the part of the resolver, but can lead to resentment. The pros of this are small disagreements can be handled quickly and easily with minimum effort. Leaders can build a reputation as an easygoing person and all employees will know that they can speak their mind about problems without the fear of reprisal. However, the downside is that leaders might be viewed as weak if they accommodate too often. Using this technique with larger or more important issues will not solve any issues in a meaningful way and should absolutely be avoided. So here is an example of an accommodating style of conflict management. In a safety meeting, the colours of the new glove clips are being discussed. Raymond is adamant that choice A is the best choice, whereas Gina thinks that choice B is slightly better, but decides to let Raymond choose the colours to avoid arguing about two choices that she thinks are both okay. So the next conflict management style is avoidance. This style aims to reduce conflict by ignoring it, removing the conflicted parties or evading it in some manner. Team members in conflict can be removed from the project they're in conflict over deadlines are pushed or people are even reassigned to other departments. This can be an effective conflict resolution style if there is a chance that a cool down period would be helpful or if you need more time to consider your stance on the conflict itself. Avoidance should not substitute proper resolution. However, pushing back conflict indefinitely can and will lead to more and bigger conflicts down the line. The pros of this is that giving people time to calm down can solve a surprising amount of issues. Time and space can give a much needed perspective to those in conflict, and some issues will resolve themselves. Leaders show that they trust employees to act like adults and solve issues. The downside is, if used in the wrong situations, this technique will make conflicts worse. Leaders can seem incompetent if they overuse avoidance because employees will think they're incapable of handling those really tough disagreements. An example of this style is Jake and Amy have been collaborating on the new safety initiative for weeks. The deadline is looming and they're increasingly unable to agree on changes. The deadline is pushed back and they're both given a day to work on other projects. The space to take a break from each other, as well as the extra time to complete their project, allows them to cool down and resume in a more collaborative mindset. 
The next we're going to run through is the compromising style of conflict management. This style seeks to find the middle ground by asking both parties to concede some aspects of the desires so that a solution can be agreed upon. This style is sometimes known as a lose-lose, in that both parties will have to give up a few things in order to agree on the bigger issue. This is used when there is a time crunch, or when a solution simply needs to happen rather than be perfect. Compromise can lead to resentment, especially if overused as a conflict resolution tactic, so use it sparingly. The good thing to this is issues can be resolved quickly and the parties in conflict will leave understanding more about the other person's perspective. Compromise can set the stage for collaboration down the road and allows both parties to feel heard. Leaders using this tactic are seen as facilitating agreement, being hands-on and finding solutions. The downside is though that nobody leaves completely happy. In some cases, one side might actually feel as though they sacrificed too much and be unwilling to compromise again in the future. Leaders who rely on this technique will burn up their workers' goodwill and will be seen as unable to execute collaboration. An example of this is Rosa and Charles are in charge of the first aid budget for the next quarter. Rosa wants to hire a full-time site paramedic, while Charles wants to increase first aid trained personnel on site. A compromise is reached by hiring a paramedic to work part-time, with the remainder of the budget being spent on first aid kits and training for suitable number of personnel. Next, the competing management style. This style rejects compromise and involves not giving in to others' viewpoints or wants. One party stands firm in what they think is the correct handling of a situation and does not back down until they get their way. Now I'm sure that we all know people who use this technique. This can be in situations where morals dictate that a specific course of action is taken, when there's no time to try and find a different solution, or when there is an unpopular decision to be made. It can resolve disputes quickly, but there's a high chance of morale and productivity being lessened. Note, this is not a style that should be relied upon heavily. The good thing to this style is that leaders using this style show they are strong and will not back down on their principles. Disputes are solved quickly as there's no space for any disagreement or discussion. The downside though, is that leaders using this style will be seen as unreasonable and authoritarian. Handling conflicts by crushing any dissent will not lead to happy, productive workers, nor will it lead to finding the best solutions in most cases. Here's an example of this one. Sophia is the head of her department. Within her staff, she's been dealing with several conflicts. First, Paul and Kevin could not agree on where to hold the annual team building activity. She stepped in and decided the department would do an escape room. Second, Cecile and Eduardo have been fighting over which one of them will have to deal with a particularly difficult client. Neither wants to put in the time and effort and has been arguing that it's the other person's job to deal with it. Sophia decides it's Cecile's job to handle the client, even though it arguably could be either person's role. Third, Alex has come to Sophia several times asking for permission to change the management of a project that he's running. He thinks that the changes he proposes will make the project much more successful. Sophia will not budge on the way the project is run and tells him to get the job done the way she's ordered him to. As you can see in the first example, Sophia made a quick decision to stop a small conflict from escalating or wasting more time. 
this is an appropriate use of this style. In the second decision though, while she solved an issue, she created another one. Cecile is now resentful, especially in cases where a boss favours an employee. This type of unilateral decision-making will lead to angry employees. In the third situation, Sophia should not have used the competing style. Not only is Alex now upset that he's not been heard, but Sophia's also missing an opportunity to improve the project. The final style of conflict management is collaboration. This style produces the best long-term results. At the same time, it is often the most difficult and time-consuming to reach. Each party's needs and wants are considered and a win-win solution is found so that everyone leaves satisfied. This often involves all parties sitting down together, talking through the conflict and negotiating a solution together. This is used when it's vital to preserve the relationship between all parties or when the solution itself will have a significant impact. The pros are that everyone leaves happy. A solution that actually solves the problems of the conflict is found and the manager who implements this technique will be seen as skilled. This style of conflict management though is time consuming and this is the downside. Deadlines or production may have to be delayed while solutions are found, which might take a long time depending on the parties involved and can lead to losses. So an example of this one is Terry and Janet are leading the design of a new management in the field process. They're having difficulties as Terry wants to incorporate a specific set of requirements. Janet wants to incorporate a different set of requirements. To reach a solution, they sit down, talk through each requirement, why it is or isn't important, and finally reach a solution, incorporating a mix of both of their requirements and some new ones they realised were as important as they negotiated. In each of the above conflict management examples, a solution is found, but there will be lasting effects on morale, productivity, and overall happiness of employees, depending on how that solution was reached. Skilled conflict management is minimising the lasting effects of conflicts by using the right tactic at the right time. Now, those five different styles of conflict management are great, right? But how do you determine which one to use? Well, you could ask yourself the following questions. One, is the issue important? Consider how important the issue actually is. It may be best to avoid some minor conflicts and let them resolve themselves. Also, consider how important this conflict is for your colleagues and your workmates. It may be trivial to you, but it might mean a lot to someone else. If this is the case, you could consider using the accommodating style of conflict management. If it means a lot to, do, to you, you could think about using the collaborative technique to work together to find a solution. Alternatively, if an ongoing situation persists, you may want to adopt the competing style and hold your ground. Secondly, what might be the other person's perspective? Taking time to think from the other party's position can help a lot when deciding how to approach a conflict. Try to understand the other person's side of the discussion and how they may perceive yours. This could help you to reach a compromise or even collaborate together. And thirdly, consider your own personal commitments. Consider those personal commitments and how much time and energy you have to solve a conflict. This can help you choose a conflict management style that works for you. If you're busy with other things at work, you might not have the time to get involved in a long and elaborate discussion. If this is the case and the issue is minor, you may choose to avoid the discussion entirely or accommodate the other person's wishes. 
If it's an important conflict though, it's best to manage it quickly to ensure you stay productive. You may choose a collaborative or compromising solution. After all this information, we need to understand that each of us come into situations of conflict carrying different bags from our past. And those bags influence which conflict management style we feel more comfortable with. The key here is though, to manage the conflict and not let it fester into the toxic work environment that most of us have unfortunately been a part of at least once in our careers. I hope that all this talk about conflict hasn't made you too agitated and that you got some useful insights out of this episode. Remember to subscribe and keep tuning in as I have lots more bonus episodes to release with more wonderful special guests who've kindly joined me to share their stories with each of you. Also, please don't forget that if you have a topic you would like discussed, shoot me an email to leadingsafely at outlook.com or use the contact form via my website or alternatively, just directly message me on LinkedIn. So until next time, stay safe.